Happy hump day, all you Gamecocks. J.C. Sherbert here with you. It's ITG Daily inside the Gamecocks Podcast Daily. Uh, good to be with you here on Wednesday, January 22nd. Um, good day for Gamecock Athletics. Lots to, lots to talk about. Reminder, this is one of two episodes of the podcast today. Uh, Tony Morrell and I will be around with an episode later, the full I guess I don't want to call it the full episode because the times are usually about the same. Uh, we go anywhere from like 35 to 55 minutes uh, with that one. But Tony and I kind of go inside football uh, on Wednesday. And um, as we continue to grow this thing out, uh, we're going to continue with the ITG daily. I, I call it the monologue because it basically is my daily monologue <laughs> on Gamecock Athletics. Um, going to continue to build it out, you know, maybe have a basketball episode during the week, baseball episode, that kind of thing, along with the daily. So we certainly appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, this is an absolutely free product. You can get it on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, 24-7 Sports has a landing page. It is a 24-7 Sports podcast. Um, you can go there and, and find ways to subscribe. Uh, we put it out on Twitter, that kind of thing. And also... Uh, if you're a college football fan or college basketball fan or, and love recruiting in both sports from a national perspective uh, or just talking about the sport from a national perspective or even maybe you're interested in another team like one of the Gamecocks rivals like Georgia or somebody, you can uh, go to 247sports.com slash podcast and there is a smorgasbord of podcasts there for you to subscribe to, listen to. Uh, I know this medium's really taken off in the last four or five years. And uh, at 24-7, we have plenty of outstanding pods. The J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast, if I may toot my own horn, uh, is also a 24-7 sports podcast. So you can uh, subscribe there using any way that you normally like uh, to listen to your podcast. I encourage everybody... Look, man, you know, I uh, I have some friends in local radio in South Carolina and in Columbia specifically uh, that I encourage everybody to listen to at all times. But I also know that schedule-wise, that's not always possible um, if you're not in the car or whatever because it's going. I know elsewhere in South Carolina, it gets tough to listen to things about the Gamecocks. So I encourage everybody who's into podcasting to listen to as many Gamecock podcasts as possible, even the ones that, you know, have taken cheap shots at me or I've taken cheap shots at uh, over the years. That's all in good fun. Um, I encourage everybody to listen to just about anything Gamecock-related in this medium that you want to because I think as a fan, you know, they're all different. They all bring different things to the table. Um, you know, Keith's podcast now that, that I was a part of for a while, uh, he's changed that format a little bit. There's just lots of guests that come on with him, and he's still dropping his knowledge. Um, me with the monologue here and the Tony episode every week is, is, is good. Um, you know, some other guys have guests and, and hard-hitting opinions. Um, so I, I just really encourage everybody out there, you know, to go listen to as many Gamecock podcasts as possible. And I hope that you continue to listen to this one. I think that, uh, you know, judging by the numbers, we've had a, a pretty good run so far as we've restarted it with the daily thing and all that. So some breaking news last night. Uh, I, uh, I saw the Spurs up come through from Will Muschamp last night, and uh, it, it geotagged his tweet. He was in Georgia um, visiting schools and things like that. Uh, class of 2021, the first commit for the Gamecocks. Really not the first one. Lavoisier Carroll committed and then decommitted. 
Um, but uh, DeMarco Williams out of Atlanta Westlake. Uh, that's Cam Newton's high school for those of you that uh, uh, remember back way back when. Um, they've had some players over the years, obviously. Uh, 5'10", 165, smaller defensive back, plays safety, certainly has the hips and feet to play corner. Uh, fast, really fast guy. Uh, Gamecocks need speed. Um, this is not a camp eval. This is kind of a no-brainer uh, type of guy that they really like. Um, you know, something about him. Pick the Gamecocks over Minnesota, Oregon, and some other schools like that. You know, just looking at who evaluates well. You know, if you're if you're not all in on the uh, trust must champs evaluation train, which some of you aren't. Um, I think evaluating players is a little bit different than, you know, winning games, uh, if that makes sense. I think you need to evaluate players well to win games, but I think more goes into winning games on Saturday than just being able to evaluate talent. And I think if you look at wins and losses versus guys they've put in the NFL with this staff, it's uh, it kind of shows you that individually they can develop talent and evaluate it. Um you know, but if you're not, and you want to kind of another point of reference, I'll tell you this: Minnesota evaluates very, very well because they have to. You know, Minnesota will come south, and that team that won all those games that beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl and beat Penn State, um, almost won their division. Uh, that Gophers team has a ton of guys from Georgia and Florida, uh, and and Minnesota's not getting like the second tier even. I mean, they're not even recruiting the same guys the Gamecocks are out of the Southeast uh, or even Vanderbilt or a school like that. Maybe Vanderbilt. But they're coming down and making sound evaluations, getting guys, bringing them north and doing well. Um, So you got that. If they offered him early, you know, there's a chance he's fast and can play. Uh, And then Oregon doesn't really offer anybody that can't run. You know, their whole program is built on speed. Uh, and so I think that's a positive thing, too. If you're kind of looking for some validation uh, with this and, uh, you know, first commit for 2021, I've said before, this this class is going to be a, a holy war to kind of put together uh, because you've got a situation in the Carolinas for 2021 where North Carolina is way, way up. You know, South Carolina, I think at last count, has offered 30 guys from the state of North Carolina, according to the 24-7 Sports Database. Uh, they've offered five within the state of South Carolina. So North Carolina's kind of top, you know, uh, deep and good this year. It's kind of one of those up years for that state. And then South Carolina's down. And the problem is North Carolina, the Tar Heels, as a football program, they're up. And they've got momentum. And there are a lot of good recruiters on that staff. And Mac Brown is – one of the more masterful recruiters in the country. Uh, I think Clemson is going to make some noise in North Carolina again next year. Georgia will go in there, Florida, Alabama, you know, and then you've also got your Big Ten schools, Notre Dame. They all recruit North Carolina, uh, whereas last year there were a lot of North Carolina, South Carolina, and NC State, South Carolina kind of battles up there. This year is going to be a lot of options for a lot of those guys. So, it's not going to be easy in the state of North Carolina this year. So the Gamecocks have to do what they do in Georgia normally, maybe get a couple of more guys. Uh, you got Florida um, out there. I'm, I'm sure they'll go down there, and, and they're already in on a running back from South Florida, Thad Franklin, and a number of other players. Um, Florida's always a good place to recruit, especially nowadays, because it's not like it used to be where everybody's lining up for FSU, UF, or Miami. 
Um, so that's good. You know, I think Virginia, Tennessee, Bama is going to probably send some guys to South Carolina this year. And then you got the junior college ranks. Uh, and Tyon Evans uh, out of Hartsville is a guy that you really, you know, have to keep an eye on because it's uh, he's a guy that, um, you know, the Gamecocks placed. And I went and looked at some of his film, again, from junior college last night. Heck of a player. Uh, and just going off of his social media, you know, he spurs up this, that, and the other. So I think it's pretty safe the Gamecocks will get him back. And um, I just can't say enough good about him as a player, what he looks like on film, that kind of thing. Listed at 5'10", 225. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a guy that can, you know, you start talking about maybe in 2021, the season, if you have Evans and Marshawn Lloyd in the backfield, maybe a couple more guys. I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty good the, – the, the outlook for running back gets really, really good at that point. So we'll see kind of how it happens there. But DeMarco Williams, we're going to get Tony's take on it uh, in the larger – I keep saying larger in, in the afternoon portion later today. Uh, but if you want my take on it, pretty solid first commit. Um, speed uh, is the name of the game, and he's a fast guy, really good feet. Um, we'll see who else comes in and offers him. You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Tennessee come in, look out for them if that happens. You know, they're really wanting to win some battles in Atlanta, and Jeremy Pruitt and the staff certainly have won their share. Um, you know, so we'll see kind of what happens. But, I, you know, I think it's always good to get on the board, so to speak, for a class. You don't want to be sitting there with no commits. Um, and, and they're not going to take somebody just to, you know, get on the board. But I think that, uh, you know, this is a good first commit. And, you know, a lot of times these guys that commit early end up being pretty good. You know, we'll see if uh, – we'll see what Rodriguez Fitton does this year uh, on the field for the Gamecocks. I've heard a lot of good things. He was one of those really early commits. Now there's been guys like Isaiah Walker that end up elsewhere. Uh, I mentioned Lavoisier Carroll, and I think those guys are almost too early uh, committing. But um, good pickup. Atlanta's an important place for South Carolina, and Westlake is certainly a, a place that produces its share of talent. Uh, you know, Brian McClendon has that school for the Gamecocks. Will Muschamp uh, heavily involved over there as well. Uh, we're going to talk about Gunnar Stockton, you know, Muschamp, and Mac Brown from North Carolina. Both were by Rabin County High School to check in on him uh, this week. We'll talk about that with Tony later today, too. So that's uh, it's a pretty big, uh, big deal. Um, sticking with football, we're going to talk about basketball here in a sec because there is a big game uh, tonight for the Gamecocks on the road at Auburn, 6 p.m. ESPNU is the tip-off. Uh, and television information. Um, we want to continue to talk about football, and, and this is kind of a topical thing that, that came up on the Big Spur yesterday. You know, people always like to talk about minimum expectations and, you know, South Carolina is a hard job and, and all this stuff. And, and, and I think if South Carolina, and I've said this before, this is no surprise to those of you that have listened to me, I think South Carolina, if they were in the SEC West, Okay, um, or even if Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia were the juggernauts they were uh, in the '90s, and remember, Florida and Tennessee were a step ahead of Georgia in the '90s. Georgia had some teams that they kind of went up and down. Um, so it's basically Florida, Tennessee, then Georgia was right there, 
Then you have the Gamecocks, Kentucky, and Vandy. Um, if the Gamecocks were in the West and you're looking up at Auburn, LSU, Alabama, uh, a potentially resurgent Texas A&M, uh, you got new coaches at Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. You know, at that point, you know, with all those teams, you know, you're sitting there going, man, <laughs> you know, this is indeed a brutal job. But, you know, South Carolina is in the SEC East. And let me, let me repeat that. The Gamecocks are in the SEC East. Um, if I am not mistaken, since 2009 when Bama started their run, uh, in 08, Tebow and Florida beat the Tide in Atlanta, won their second national championship. And that basically, the, the East at that point fizzled out, okay? So Bama won it in 09. But so, so between 2009 and 2019, one time the SEC East has won the league or the game in Atlanta, and that was Georgia. Uh, in 2017, and they didn't have to play Bama. They got Auburn, uh, and they got an Auburn team that had beaten them by 23 several weeks before that was just decimated with injuries in the backfield. Georgia had a good defensive plan. They did not when they went down to the Plains, won at 28-7, and Georgia ended up playing for the national championship that year. So that's one time in like a decade, you know, 11 years. Uh, so the East clearly at this point, and it may not stay that way forever. Nothing lasts forever, um, especially in college football, uh, is the weaker of the two divisions. You have one program, Georgia, and I mentioned this yesterday, that is dominant right now. And they've won that division three years in a row. It's the first time any school's won the East three years in a row since Spurrier did it at Florida. Uh, and I think he won every one of them between 92 and 96. Um so there's one team, you know, and, and look, I was not high on Florida heading into the year, especially with Felipe Franks at quarterback. Uh, I think the Kyle Trask uh, substitution, if you will, saved their season. Um, but I'll tell you this, I'm impressed with what they've done. Um, and I was wrong to doubt them. Um, you know, they're 21 and five in two years with Dan Mullen. They're not overly impressive when you watch them, but they win. They just win, and he just outcoaches people. They make adjustments, and they win. They, they did it against the Gamecocks. You know, I uh, would have liked to have seen what would have happened uh, with the Gamecocks up 17-10 had they called that touchdown run by Damian Pierce back, as they should have, and had they not scored there, um, because I think that was a huge momentum shift. But the bottom line is the Gamecocks are still up 20-17 heading into the fourth quarter. And just got outcoached and outplayed. Same as uh, 2018 down at the Swamp. You're up 17, and, you know, that kind of started, you know, some of the dark period that the program's been in uh, the last couple of years. I mean, it's just um, it's just one of those things. So um, I, I think that, uh, you know, Florida obviously deserves to be right there in the conversation. I think Tennessee deserves a lot of credit for going 8-5 and five this year. They did beat the Gamecocks by 20, blew them out in the second half. That got them rolled. They won six games in a row uh, after losing to Georgia State and BYU at home. I think they're still building, but you got to give them credit. Um, Missouri has a new coach. Uh, I think Kentucky deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I think Vanderbilt uh, stuck with Derek Mason, and we'll see kind of how they do. But the bottom line is this, 
you know, those are like current states of individual programs. Um, when you talk about a, you know, a, a program or a team, um, like Alabama is a better job now than it was. Um, and they have history and tradition, all that. They're in a state that produces players. They can go out and recruit nationally. But Nick Saban has made that a better job. It wasn't a better job than LSU when Nick Saban took it. But it probably is now because you have the brand and you have a long time where you've been really, really good and you're still Alabama. You know, and, and the blueprint is there. You know, Clemson's always been a good job. Um, you know, because they're in the ACC, uh, they have SEC program traits in terms of big stadium, fill it up, um, support, care about football in a football state, that type of thing. But Dabo Sweeney's made that a much better job, you know. Uh, Tommy Bowden never even won a division at Clemson. And so, you know, there are move, there is movement at times that takes place. Uh, but, you know, Florida State, how good have they been the last two years? That's still one of the best jobs in the country. <laughs> Mike Norvell just got one of the best jobs in the country. So when you're talking about jobs you, you, you are in, and do you have a chance, you know, you have to look at where you're at, do you care, and who do you have to beat to get to where you're going? That's the bottom line. I mean, Arkansas is not as – Arkansas and Mississippi, Mississippi State are not even close to being as good a job – as South Carolina. And there's really, you know, there's a number of reasons, you know, when you get to facilities and support and all that. But the main reason is Arkansas has been better historically than the Gamecocks. But they're in the SEC West right now, you know. And, and it's, it's just, you know, who do you have to beat? Man, you got to go beat all these teams. Now, there's some schools like Texas A&M is a better job than South Carolina because, you know, the, the logic dictates that, well, you're in Texas. You have unlimited resources. You have great fan support. You should be able to build a program that can compete with Alabama and LSU and Auburn to a lesser extent. So when you're talking about jobs, and let's go through this right now. There are, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, eight teams the Gamecocks play every single year. Okay. And it starts with what I call the SEC North. <laughs> Missouri, Kentucky, and Vandy, uh, and maybe Tennessee. You know, I know Tennessee's different than those other three because they do have tradition, resources, um, you know, but they've not been good for a decade. And that job, which you would never even think would be anywhere close to the level of South Carolina, um, looking down on South Carolina, that is, um, now is probably in some ways a more difficult job than South Carolina. Um, you know, if they get back and Jeremy Pruitt has success and wins championships, maybe not. They have more in the trophy case and they have a bigger stadium. That's it. <laughs> you know, I would say at least those jobs are equal. Uh, I think that if you're a coach deciding to take Tennessee or South Carolina, you probably even take South Carolina because, you know, you're, you're still not expected to go win a national championship. You know, the expectations are slightly lower. But, you know, that, that equals job security and all that. But we'll, we'll cut Tennessee out of it for a minute. So the SEC North, Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy. South Carolina is a better job than all three of those. 
And I know Mark Stoops has had great success at Kentucky, and he's got a great plan for up there, probably the best plan they've had at Kentucky since Bear Bryant. Uh, maybe how Mummy, because I thought at the time when how Mummy was there, Mike Leach was dialing up plays. That was smart of them to do. But, you know, Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy, South Carolina should be better than them. Um, you know, not saying they have to win the games against those teams every single year because you're going to lose eventually. Uh, but the Gamecocks, more times than not, should should be better than those two. So that's three three games out of the eight. You flat out, you know, getting off the bus more times than not, way more times than not, you should be better than those programs, period. You know, more resources, better support, better geographic footprint to recruit student-athletes, better facilities. Um, bottom line, South Carolina – should be better than Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy. They aren't always, but because, you know, upsets happen, or I don't even want to call them upsets. You know, year to year, that's not a, you know, not a thing where you can go, oh, yeah, you know, they should be better. Um, Okay, so then let's talk about Tennessee. You know, until they're back, they are not. The Gamecocks have won three of four against them. Um, You know, I think it's important that Carolina beats Tennessee every single year because you don't want – those guys to go back and, and, and leapfrog you again. Uh, because I'm telling you, you know, the, the narrative, and, and it's so hard to change that, you know, will always be that, oh, Tennessee sh- should be really good because they were really good, you know, a while back. And, you know, they haven't been. But the game guys keep losing games to them. I mean, you know, Steve Spurrier lost three straight ga- two straight games to Butch Jones. And then Sean Elliott almost upsets, but almost upset Butch Jones, and then Muschamp did. So it, you know, that series goes back and forth. That was probably the most disappointing, worst loss of the year, just for how it went down. You know, defense, special teams breakdowns. Um, after having a lead at halftime, how does the offense go from having one of their best halves to not doing much at all? Adjustments. People talk about adjustments. Gamecocks didn't make any adjustments once Tennessee adjusted. Uh, but but look, South Carolina right now at this point with where they are as a program and a job, you know, should beat Tennessee 60 70% of the time. That's the bottom line. Um, that may change. So, so there's four. You know, Texas A&M is the permanent opponent. The Gamecocks have struggled mightily against the Aggies. Um, I uh, a lot of close games, a lot of not so close games like this year. By the time the Gamecocks went to College Station this year, I was like, yeah, it's just you know those last two games, Texas A&M and Clemson, they they just weren't competitive on offense. Um, but let me just say this about Texas A&M. I mean, I, I do think it's a better job than South Carolina. I think they should be better than South Carolina most years. I think they should have more talent than South Carolina. But let's look at A&M since they've come into the league. Look at them against Mississippi and Mississippi State. And these are not just losses to Hugh Freeze's great teams with Robert Condici and the Dak Prescott Mississippi State. Um, they're 9-7 and seven combined. 5-3 and three against Ole Miss, 4-4 four and four against Mississippi State. And this year against Mississippi State, they broke a three-game losing streak. Now, South Carolina – Better job than Mississippi, Mississippi State. You know, should be better. So, you know, until the Aggies take that step, they haven't taken that step. 
in eight years in the league, they've had two winning seasons in the league. Um, and one of them was with the Heisman Trophy winner and who had one of the best individual seasons I've ever seen with Johnny Manziel. Um, the other one was Jimbo's first year when they went 5-3. and three. Now, but we'll keep an eye on A&M because I think next year they have a window of opportunity. There's no Tua at Alabama. LSU obviously has lost a lot of coaches and players. Um, you never know what you're going to get with the grab bag that is Auburn. Um, and A&M's got Kellen Mond coming back, and it's Jimbo's third year. So we'll see there. But, look, th- th- there's there's no reason why the Gamecocks can't compete in this series. I mean, there's, it's really baffling that they're winless against their permanent opponent for the West. So, you know, I've mentioned five teams that are on the schedule every year that right now, you know, South Carolina should win with, or win against, or compete with. You know, not going to be every year, but there's no gigantic disadvantage or no gigantic gap in the program. That's five games. So then there's Florida and Georgia. Okay, so I'll, I will give people Florida is at a better spot than South Carolina right now, and they've they've done it by winning. You know, you, you have to win. Um, when the two teams have played the last two years, I don't know that – I think Florida probably had a athleticism advantage, definitely had a coaching advantage. Um, but it wasn't like the Gamecocks didn't compete. It wasn't like the Gamecocks didn't roll up a bunch of rushing yards this year. It wasn't like they didn't get up by 17 in the swamp the year before. Um, so the Gamecocks are competitive with them. Um, Georgia, I think Georgia's at a different level. I think they're at a different level talent-wise right now than even Florida. Um, and the Gamecocks happen to go in and catch them on a down day and, and play really well. Uh, I think that kind of shows you there's some pretty good football players on the Gamecock roster, and they won in double overtime in Athens. And in that series, that happens. The Gamecocks will go in and knock them off. You know, you look at the history of the Georgia-Carolina series, there's years. You know, I remember 07, the Gamecocks got up. They, they, they started off fast, 6-1. and one. I think they were ranked. It was a weird year. Ranked in the top five and then lost out, didn't even go to a bowl. That was the one year besides the last one, Spurry didn't go to a bowl. And uh, Georgia finished 11 and two and ranked in the top three. Gamecocks won 16 to 12 in Athens. Uh, so that's just how that series goes. So, so that's the big dog, no pun intended. You got to knock off. And, you know, you have a history with those guys. You recruit a lot of Georgia players, your players get up for it, and you have a history of uh, improbably pulling upsets. Um, and so that's team number seven. Team number eight is Clemson. I will be very honest with you. There is a big gap between those programs right now. Um, but it's a rivalry game, and eventually, you know, Dabo Sweeney said it, South Carolina will win that one again. It's just uh, I don't think we're looking at a 15-year losing streak like Virginia and Virginia Tech went through. But um, – you know, I think right now, you know, you just have to say, well, Clemson has established itself as one of the best teams in the country. But they weren't always there, and, and they got there. You remember the 2015 game? It was a five-point game. Really a 12-point game because the Gamecock scored a garbage touchdown, but it was competitive. Uh, it was competitive for a half in 2018. Not competitive this year. Um, but the Gamecocks, you know, it, it, you know that, they just have to keep building to where they can get to a point where in a game against Clemson, you know, they can, they can make some things happen. Um, and that's, that's tough. So I just listed eight teams. Two, 
two of those programs, Georgia and Clemson, are superior. Um, and Georgia has a history of, of stubbing their toe against the Gamecocks every now and then, including this past year. Florida is better. Uh, but those games are competitive. And in the last two years, it really could have gone either way. Tennessee, better this past year, obviously, by 20 points. I would not say that they're in a better place as a program than the Gamecocks, talent-wise, building-wise, whatever. Um, you know, I, 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 I think they could be. But that's a program that has not been as good as South Carolina for a decade. Texas A&M. Uh, seems to struggle with everybody else but the Gamecocks. <laughs> uh, and and until, they, until their results match their potential, you know, that obviously that's a game South Carolina should win. I mean, look, A&M came into the league like gangbusters. They went 11-2. and 11-2, and 9-4, 8-5, 8-5, 8-5, 7-6, 9-4, 8-5. Now they're in the West, and they're taking the L's. Uh, to Alabama, and uh, they beat LSU in 2018, uh, but they lose that game, lost it badly this year. Um, you know, but they're also taking losses to the Mississippi schools, and their game against Arkansas every year is close. Even this year's Arkansas game was close. So, you know, I, I don't know that that's this big giant you have to slay. I just think when it comes down to the game, when the Gamecocks play the Aggies, South Carolina needs to make the plays necessary to win the games. You know, this year notwithstanding, obviously that was terrible. But the year before, you know, you fall behind 16 nothing, you have to come back, and you end up losing by three. The year before that in College Station, you have them down 10. The offense goes full turtle mode, and uh, <laughs> then all hell breaks loose, you lose by seven. The year before, it's a one-score game until some punt thing happens, and, you know, and that A&M team was top five in the country. You know, the year before that, down there, Sean Elliott and G.A. Mangus diced up John Chavis. Uh, but Brandon Wilds gets hurt. Perry Orth throws a pick six. You know, you lose 35-28. We all know what happened in 2014. We don't have to talk about that. But, you know, if you look at that series, it's nothing to do. So you got AM, and then you got three teams that, you know, hey, look, Missouri, Kentucky, Vandy, you need to beat them. So... That's eight out of the 12 every year. Um, you know, you got an eighth conference game, and, you know, it's going to be LSU this year. It was Bama last year. You're going to have Auburn. But then you're going to have a, a stretch where it's Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. You know, and, and those aren't easy games, but it's not LSU, Auburn, and Bama. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's going to be some years where, you know, as long as the schedule remains in the same format, and I don't can't guarantee that it will, um, you know, you're going to have a Western opponent that hey, you can throw those guys in with Missouri, Kentucky, Mandy, Tennessee uh, teams you should compete with. You know, then you got a non-conference game, and you usually have two games that you shouldn't lose. Although they lost one App State this year, but you know, so, so, so when you dig into the reality, yes, Clemson's very good national championship contender, all that good stuff, playoff team. And their schedule came out today, and they're probably going to go 12-0 and again next year. Um, yes, Georgia is very good and immensely talented, and they always are. Um, yes, Florida, I would consider them on the rise. I'm going to give them credit. Really good coaching staff, Tennessee, whatever. So, so yes, when, when you kind of look at the, the, the here and now, 
yeah, you know, it, it, it looks tough. But when you kind of consider, like, where you're at as a program and, and what's your ceiling, because I hear things all the time, like, that, that program ceiling, you know. And, and historically, yeah, Gamecocks have never been better than 11 wins. But it's not like a murderer's row. This is not Arkansas. You know, this is not Ole Miss and Mississippi State where, hell, even if you get to be really, really good, you know, Ole Miss, really, really good, really good recruiting classes, and we're not going to talk about that, you know, but uh, really talented team, you know, their best year was, what, 10-3 and three in the Sugar Bowl? Mississippi State ranked number one in the country, and then they just get smacked down by Bama. I mean, you know, it's just Arkansas – at a time, one point in time, you know, between 92 and 2006, they won three division titles in the West. Danny Ford won one. Houston not won two. But, man, you know, now, wow. They lost at home to San Jose State and lost at home to Western Kentucky by 26. Not competitive. So, you know, I, I just, it's a different story when you're in the SEC. So that was an interesting topic to me just because a lot of times, you know, these days you see Clemson doing as well as they are. You see Georgia and you see all these top five recruiting classes and stuff. And, you know, it can be overwhelming. But when you kind of dig in and look at individually, okay, who, who does South Carolina have to play? Who do they have to beat? It's not as, you know, just being in the SEC doesn't mean it's this big gauntlet. It is tough. It's the best conference in college football. It's much tougher than, you know, Clemson's schedule that I mentioned earlier. Um, but um, I don't think it's insurmountable for anybody. Uh, and I think, you know, the right plan, the right execution, the ball bounces your way. Uh, with Will Muschamp and his staff specifically, got to avoid those injuries uh, and coach well on Saturday. And, and you know, look, you're, you're, not at, you're not at a strategic disadvantage. Um, for the majority of the teams, you have to play every single year. That's just the bottom line. The same thing, switching gears, has driven me crazy about Carolina basketball since they joined the SEC. And probably the biggest failure, I think, if you look at Carolina basketball from 91, 92 until now, which is a long time, <laughs> that's almost 30 years, it is the failure to build a consistent winner within the league. And this is a lot of times why I defend Frank Martin because he's the first coach that's won double-digit games within the SEC three out of four years, ever. Fogler had a couple of good years. Odom never won double-digit games in the regular season. Um, Horn won – Horn went 10-6 and six his first year in a down, down year. And this league goes up and down, and this is what's frustrating about it. Who are the consistently good basketball programs in the SEC? And I'm not talking about pretty good. I'm not talking about good some years. I'm talking about consistent. Who makes the tournament just about every year? Two programs, Kentucky and Florida. That's it. You know, everybody else, up and down, up and down, up and down, to varying degrees. But, you know, and including South Carolina. Now, South Carolina obviously needs to make the NCAA tournament more than once a decade because other programs do. I mean, you look at Texas A&M, look at Missouri, Alabama. Auburn now uh, is really, really good under Bruce Pearl. That's tonight's opponent. But, 
there's no reason why South Carolina, you know, can't be a consistently good program. And I think that's that's the next step for the program. You know, you had the final four run, which was outstanding, proves it can be done. Um, you know, the, the arena, and we talked about that yesterday, uh, when it is full, and that usually happens when the Gamecocks are winning, um, it, it's a good home court. Uh, you know, South Carolina – Fans care about basketball. I think that's eroded for a while um, because I think a lot of the younger fans that graduated at the beginning of this decade, you know, guys that are in their early 30s now, late 20s, you know, they kind of were in school during a time where football was at its best it's ever been, top 10 program. Baseball was winning national championships. Don Staley was kind of just to kind of just got there and was building the women's and then they went a national championship. I don't know. I don't know if that's kind of relevant to this because they, you know, Frank Martin, Dawn Staley, but you know, basketball was kind of an afterthought because it got so bad. It got mediocre under Dave Odom the last two years, even in Darren Horn's first year, they were winning and had a chance and the arena was full, and there was a lot of excitement. We all remember the Garnet Army. Um, and then, you know, the horn—the last three horn years were bad. And then Frank, his first two teams were not very – first three teams, you know, weren't even close to making the tournament. So that's a, that's a, that's a decade, you know, when, when, when younger fans are kind of formulating where they're going to throw their support and spend their money. So it's eroded. I'll be honest. I mean – Used to be Gamecock basketball starts winning again. People are waking up the echoes, talking about Frank McGuire and fired up. You know, you remember the Eddie Fogler years uh, at the Coliseum, Dave Odom, the year he went to the NCAA tournament, and even his NIT years. You know, there were big crowds um, for the regular season. But that's you know that's uh, it's eroded. But I still think when you consider you know, who do you have to beat, where are you at? You know, the Gamecocks, they're right there swimming in the ocean of SEC men's basketball. Well, it's going to be a big deal tonight in that ocean. Big life raft, if you will. Uh, Gamecocks go to Auburn. Auburn coach Bruce Pearl was talking about this team. Um, mentioned that he's 3-4 and four against Frank Martin in their head-to-head matchups. Gamecocks won in Columbia last year by three. Uh tough SEC tournament loss last year. When you kind of look back on it, at the time, disappointing loss. 73-64. But when you look back on it, that was kind of the beginning of Auburn making a huge run to the Final Four. Um, And and they've kind of been on that run ever since, with the exception of the last two games. Um, (laughs) 15-2 is the record they lost at Alabama, and then I think they were down six at Florida, ended up losing by 22. I think Florida's a very good basketball team. Keep in mind the Gators were top two predicted at the beginning of the year. Of course, the Gamecocks were 11th or 12th or whatever that was. Um, Auburn's won four of the last five against South Carolina at Auburn Arena, which is a good arena. They kind of did it right. It's about a 9,000-seat arena. I think it's seven or eight years old. Maybe a little older than that, but it's a it's a nice facility. People are into basketball down there. Probably for the for the first time at least since Cliff Ellis had two really good teams, and you know, maybe going back to the Charles Barkley days. Um, Frank Martin seven and eight overall against Auburn. 
Um, Auburn is 25 and 19 against South Carolina in basketball. 11 and 8 at home. I, this team, even when they haven't been good, when Auburn's not been good in hoops, uh, Gamecocks have uh, struggled with them. Dave Odom lost some games to Auburn that you were just like, wow, you know, this team is not good. Uh, the Tony Barbie and Jeff Lebo Auburn years. <laughs> so uh, they've kind of been a bugaboo, but Frank Martin's done really well against Bruce Pearl. Um, it's not going to be easy. South Carolina, though, is on a, like a little bit of a hot streak. Gamecocks will be without Keyshawn Bryant. That news just broke uh, tonight. He had a head injury at the beginning of the A&M game. Obviously, you know, you, you talk about head injuries these days and you got to kind of play it safe. Uh, South Carolina is 4-1 and one in true road games this year. Their only loss was a one-point loss at Tennessee, which they had their chances to win. Uh, different animal here, though. This is a top 25 basketball team. They're 16th in the AP poll, I think, in the net. They're around 26. Chance to get a Q1 win. Um, obviously, South Carolina's the underdog tonight. Uh, I think you can pull it out, though. And in these next four, you have two opportunities at Auburn and at Arkansas to go get big wins. And you got Vandy at home, Missouri at home. Those two teams are struggling right now. You know, so you should at least come out of it two and two. But if you do come out of it two and two, you know, you're four and four. You have zero margin for error in the last ten games of the season. You, you got to go nine and one to feel good about getting in the tournament. So, unfortunately, because the Gamecocks lost to Boston University and Stetson, you know, this is a – I don't want to say must win, but this is a game that if you win, it kind of – starts to diminish those bad losses. Uh, it looks good on the resume, that type of thing. I talked earlier this week about how the resume right now is not good enough. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. I don't know if they're catching Auburn at a good time, i.e. the last two games they've kind of gotten down and, and, and come back down to earth and, and they kind of are who they were the last two games. Or if they're catching them at a bad time and Auburn's going to get up off the, the mat and be really focused and drill shots and run the Gamecocks out of the gym. So it's uh, it's always a mystery <laughs> when you're trying to figure this team out. But I do think that, you know, South Carolina, if they go in, they play with confidence, if they play like they did against A&M, certainly if they shoot like they did in the A&M game and in the second half of the Kentucky game, you know, South Carolina's got an opportunity. It would be a big win. So 6, 6 p.m. Central – 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm sorry. I was looking at the uh, tip-off time on the Auburn site and forgot they're in the Central Time Zone. So 7 p.m. Eastern Time, ESPNU, uh, Gamecocks, and the Auburn Tigers. All right. Tony Morell and I will be back with some in-depth football discussion later. This is ITG Daily inside the Gamecocks podcast. I am J.C. Sherbert. Have a great day, everyone. We'll holla at you soon.